0: This is Comic Picks by The Glick. Yeah, I'm your host, Jason Glick. Hey, Jason Glick. What's going on? What's on tap? What you got? What, what are you going to pull? What kind of beer are you going to pull for us tonight? It's actually comics, you know. I always say, <laughs> what's on tap for us? But, you know, it's a great analogy. So what do you have for us? It is a great analogy. And tonight, well, it's like you can guess by the title. I'm ranking the best of 2022. The best comics. Comics that I've read in the past year. It's like, I know we're already most of the way into January, but, you know, I just needed that extra time to, you know, compile this list because some of it was pretty easy. Others, you know, it's like, I'm still kind of like, you know, wondering, you know, did I, did I do the right thing, you know, for this, you know, for this list? But, you know, it's like, I've got my thoughts on the best, the worst, and the honorable mentions. Honorable mentions, which of course are going first. And just throw those out there. I want to give shout outs to the night eaters, which is. Which was a uh, great start for a new new series from the creators of, of *Monstrous*, Marjorie Liu and of Takeda. So yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do next with the series, and also recording and hopefully recording a new podcast with Christine for Volume Two um, next next year. Also, um, *Daisy* um, by Colin, Colin Lorimer from *Dark Dark Horse*, which you know, you know, like it was a crazy series about you know, like a mother looking for her lost. For her lost daughter, sorry, her lost son, and running straight into the horrors of the book of Enoch, the uh, book of the Bible, we don't talk about you know, like in polite company, that you know, if nothing else, stands as a great example of how to write solicitation text that you know gets me to involved in like wanting to see, you know, what is this series gonna be about? Daisy may not have like lived up to that you know potential, but it's kind of like you know, something I'd like to see like your know, creators take note of in terms of, like you know, hey, this is how you get people invested. Just when you're writing about writing text about a series, rather than showing off any like any art, art or script, then there's um Die Dark from Q Hayashida, creative Doro Hidoro, who uh, delivered this new, new series about it's like about a, about a boy who's being hunted by everyone in space because they believe that you know his bones can like be their key to, towards a wish like the kind of wishes they they can they have they have their wish wishes granted forever. While, well it's definitely entertaining in a uh it's again like a like it's like in a fun science fiction science fictiony it's like you know fan- fantasy type type way in that you know like it's it's fun seeing like you know all all the kind of craziness that you know that the creator can like you know display in this series. It also doesn't quite have like this sense of like you know direction that I was hoping for, you know, f- like for the series, like you know, five volumes in, or was it four? I can't remember. And it's still kind of like you know, coasting on charm. And just you know, like general, and the and the general kind of weirdness a series can conjure conjure up at the drop of a hat. So it's not great, but it's like as I said, my in um, one of my reviews, it's like it's like, it's a very likable, probably the most likable underachiever series that I'm reading right now. Also, there's um no one left to fight. Volume two, another series that came back for the second volume after after over a year or so off. That um, Myron and I really liked, but you know, in terms of like you know, series that took took a while off to uh, come back with this with a volume that basically reminds you, like you know, how good how good it was and how much you liked it. Well, it's really only second best on this list, and we will get back to that later. Then you've got um the Kurosagi Corpse Delivery Service Omnibus um volume five, which I'm just gonna put on here just to the fact that I'm glad it actually exists because after COVID um, preempted its its original um you know March of 20, 2020 release date, um, I'm glad that Dark Horse finally um, was able to, re- to release this. And even if, like, you know, volume 15 was, you know, just kind of like, you know, only as good as previous volumes, it's it was still like, it was sort of a good reminder of what I enjoyed about this series, and that's, you know, just, it's general it's enjoyable weirdness. It's something I wish we had more of here. And also just, you know, Carl, Carl Horn, just, you know, delivering the kind of um, like um, English localization that I kind of wish, like, all, like, all, um, like, my all manga translations, you know, would 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 indulge in. Volume six, he does mention that volume six is, you know, in the works, but you know, like, uh, I'm also going to say I get, I'm going to have to believe it when I see it, which hopefully will be sometime sometime later next year. And then there's um, what did you eat yesterday? Which is um, Fumi Yoshinaga's ongoing series about two gay guys. It's like, and the uh, and the food they eat yesterday, like while going on with their daily lives while this series has been consistently good um, from, like, from the get-go, it's, like, this is the first year that I realized that, oh, my God, like, it's 18 volumes in, and this series has actually been, like, you know, progressing in real time, you know, since, you know, since that happened, because um it's, I it's think, this volume has, like, its main characters, you know, f- um, dealing with, you know, like, like mortality, like, you know, with um, Shiro, it's, like, you know, finally, like, I'm realizing that, um oh, my God, it's, like, you know, what happens when I'm, when i when i pass away it's like you know is kenji gonna actually gonna be able to like, inherit everything that i like you know everything of mine it's like so do i want to like adopt like adopt him as a, like, a workaround for, for like how gay marriage is not a thing in japan or do i want to just you know keep holding out for the fact that you know maybe eventually it will be a thing and i can actually like, you know, have him actually be my my lawfully lawfully wedded husband so this is stuff that you know like i was not expecting to read about you know over the course of the series and so on one hand this was kind of like it's like kind of game changer for the series as for whites not in the top 10 well let's just say that fumi yoshinaga um delivered something that was even better it's like something that basically just hadn't had everything that you know maybe this is like the best thing i've read all year so without further ado as for the actual stuff that i re- that i read was the best of the year like the top 10 starting from the bottom and number 10 is Shuna's journey. It's the uh, now Hayao Miyazaki's um, reputation as the greatest living um, director of animation um, is pretty well, pretty well established at this, at this point. I mean, it's like the guy could just, you know, like, like not direct another film after this as of right now, but he's currently working on his next um, film. How do you live? It's like, as, as we speak. That being said, he's also delivered what I consider to be the greatest on um, comic book of all time, um, Na- Naushika The Valley of Wind. Now, like if he had just never done anything else besides that, you know, th- that'd be fine, you know, because like how do you follow up something like so- something like Naushika? I mean, just ask um Mamoru Oshii, Oshi, or you can try have a seance and ask um Satoshi Khan about this when they tried to follow up um Naushika and the paint Pages on mage with um seraph with seraphim and it did not go well but um, Shuna's journey was a, a ser- was a, a picture book series that he's um that he started um around the same time of naushka and um he missy told us told the story of a prince from a um from a poor kingdom trying to like exp- like i um, leaving leaving his kingdom to try and find um like this like this grain that would hopefully like bring bring prosperity to it things uh, do not go what not go well for for him but at the same time you can see a lot of the stuff that you know would influence like you know um Miyazaki's film works is like you know like a strong strong female characters and the uh, fantasy aesthetic that would influence Nausicaa it's not some series that offers like you know a lot of surprises which like, it's not a volume that offers a lot of surprises or like you know like am like, um, shocking plot twists but it's just like an example of, like you know a uh, it's like a create, creator just like you know telling a story that does not take a single false step over the course of its run and also it's it's on this list at number 10 simply because like i bought more copies of this like during the holiday season for as guests for friends you know like because not only only did i give one to john but i also gave one to my younger niece and the uh, daughter daughter of like some mutual friends as well so there you go um, number nine is the best um, new image series I read last year, and that was um, What's the Furthest Place from Here by Matthew Rosenberg and Tyler Boss. It's basically a post-apocalyptic story where all that's left in this world are kids, you know, teenagers, and they're just, you know, like as foul-mouthed, as unruly as you'd expect, and they also just, you know, they're also furthering the uh, tribalistic mentality that, you know, like we, that our current society know, knows and loves. But you know, it also first focuses on one one group where you know they one of their members, like a pregnant girl, goes missing, and then they try and find out just you know what what the hell happened to her. Um, one of the things about this about this first volume is that it had extra sized um, issues over the course of its run, and while you know some series have tried that, you know, like specifically um Pablo Raimondi's by um Sacred Creatures, that was just kind of like a a chance to just you know. It, just make things like longer and more drawn out, more boring. Um, however, um, Rosenberg and Boss create this, you know, lovably um, entertaining, like, you know, f- like, like teen, like um te- like a teenage world. That's just like actually kind of like, you know, endearing it like, just because of how the kids are just, you know, like thoroughly, thoroughly foul mouthed and just, you know, like and running by their own, trying to like find out how things in this world work by their own rules and logic, It's a lot of fun and it's kind of like what you would hope, you know, like you would get from these um, expanded, like, you know, issues and that you just get to spend more time with this world that you actually love. And, you know, I like I really appreciated that. So so hopefully so good news is that it looks like they finally got enough issues that will allow them to put out a second volume like for next year. And hopefully we'll get like a third one, you know, in in short order. Fingers crossed there. Next up is a number eight, which is the Nice House on the Lake, um, Volume One. Um, James Tinian the Fourth has become one of the hottest comics, hottest writers in comics, thanks to his work on on Batman and more specifically, um, like something is killing the children, which I think is just more generic than anything else. However, I've really enjoyed his work on. It's like on the Department of Truth. And I hope that um volume four like isn't a uh isn't a jumping the shark shark moment. But more on that when I write the review. But then you've got um this series which basically like you know had a uh I did not know anything about, about the series you know when I started reading it beyond the fact that you know a uh, this one dude has basically invited all of his old like you know college friends out to uh, out to his like nice house on the nice house on the lake. As, as you expect in the title. And while the implication of the solicitation text is that, you know, things go wrong. This is that, you know, hey, maybe this turns into, like, you know, one big slasher series. Like, you know, that, hey, he's crazy. now he's going to work out some, like, you know, like, grudges against them. Well, actually reading the first volume, and it's like, oh, wow, I did not expect that. I did not see this coming, you know, from where he was where going. it's just like, it was just like a real real left turn from my expectations that i really had to respect you know what what tinian was doing here and also this is a great example how the style works in the sense that you know tinian you know doesn't quite ideal in like you know you know progressively weird you know twists but more like you know grounding like you know like your expectations like you know in like you know relatable character experiences and all and i think that actually works really well here now it could mean that the second volume just kind of you know plays out in a fairly pedestrian fashion, but this first volume um, I really enjoyed and you know just the fact that you know I really um, you know like as I, as I grow older, I really appreciate stuff that you know was really uh, able to like upend my expectations you know more than anything else. Bonus one that they can stick to landing, which you know it's like is, is a good way of um, like talking about our next series. Um, a Righteous Thirst for Vengeance by Rick Remender and Andre Lima Arajo. Now, I know that, like, last, last year I said that I was really looking forward to um, the end of Remend- Remender and Wes Craig's um, Deadly Class, and while I enjoyed the uh, follow-up, to the uh, finale to that, to that series, I think that um, this one was a uh, better example of, like, you know, what I hope to see from Remender going forward, because while the dude has, al- has always been, like, you know, like delivered like some entertaining dialogue, inter- interesting characterizations and like, you know, rock solid action, you know, it's like some of this, some of his like, you know, social commentary can be, you know, overwritten or, you know, what, wor- or they like, go way over the line into sanctimony like at, at, time, at times. A Righteous Search for Vengeance, you know, the story of a uh, like insurance actuary who stumbles upon a dark web, you know, assassination plot by the rich to just take out some, like like the a family was causing one one of their members like trouble. It's like basically like is is a very spare minim, minimalist um like story in that you know like remember just as best just, you know dial back all of his like you know like his um noted verbosity in the series that you if you've read Deadly Class or um like or Black Science it's like or um death or glory or any of his other titles it's like you know it's like he's he can be like you know kind of overwritten in a way that you know i tend to find more entertaining than not but um righteous source of vengeance is where he just like dials all that back and just tries to just do a best better job of, like of showing you and not telling you uh especially courtesy of um of arajo's art who which is who's is just like spot on over the course of the series it's a uh, great example of of a, how a series, how a creator can show you that you know he's still, they're still capable of like new tricks, even after all this time. It's like, and you know, it's like it's also like refers my faith in that you know, Remender is like someone who I I still want to keep following his series. It's like you know, whatever he's got planned planned for us next. As for what's next, well, it's fan service, like really quality fan service in its um you know, lock and key um the golden age from from Joe Hill and Gabriel Rodriguez, while Lock and Key is a series um, finished up properly, like so, several years back. The Golden Age is a story of the, like of the of one of the uh, Kiosk Key, families, like a general, like two generations prior to um, the family that we knew in the original Lock and Key series. And this collects, and well, this collects some stuff that I had already read before, was, um, such as like Small World and like Open Open the Moon. It also um, t- talks about collects the. Uh, miniseries um, in pale battalions go which basically answers the question you know why don't um the members of the keyhouse family use their their key the powers of the keys for um to make the world a better place the answer is because you know they probably fuck it up um immensely and that's what we get here in this in this initial story that is like a that is a awful trad tragedy as one as you learn about see the deaths of one of the one of the members of the this family and also how one of them um, winds up um, consigned to hell for uh, for daring to try and use the keys for it to pick a better place and you know ruin things badly. Now, while that would be a the ending of that series would be a good ending for a uh, series that has like uh, your roots steeped in horror. Well, that's not what we're getting here because the because uh, this also collects the uh, lock and key um, sand, um, Sandman crossover um, with yes DC's Sandman. And yeah, um while, while Gaiman um did um did offer some, some guidance like here. This is basically like Hill and Rodriguez um doing their you know tip of the hat to like to Gaiman's legendary series and also just like offering like an interesting origin story for the key to hell that played a um significant role in that series best best arc um season of myths. And it's basically all about, you know, just trying to trying to undo the tragedy of the previous storyline, but doing it in a way that, you know, that, that is deeply tied to the Sandman mythos, but it's done so in a fit, very entertaining way. And also like is very entertainingly book in the sense that, you know, how are they gonna get out of this? But and they do that in a way that I really, really enjoyed. So yeah, it's really quality fan service. It's like like everyone everyone else like who likes, you know, tying their tying series into other stuff you know take note of this right here but you know i also talked earlier about you know like a series that you know i came back with a previous volume that showed you that reminded me like hey you know this series this is how you do a proper return after years away and that would be farmhand volume four um by rob guillery now well i may have been like slightly disappointed by this series in that you know in that, it, what that it, I was kind of hoping for more of a more comedic series, um, that coming off that with Guillory coming off the um, the, the very entertaining Chew um, series that he did with um, with John Layman, um, this one turned out to be like you know a lot have a um, lot more serious and also more steeped in horror than I was than I was expecting, and and while um, volume three was an interesting game changer in the sense that you know that it's. That was main an antagonist. You know, took control of the seed, you know, the stem cell seed. It was able to grow like organs and whatever you wanted it, it to. It's like, and like you know, like turn it, bend it to her. Well, well, she basically you know still needed the help help of the uh, the jet the Jedediah family in order to, to like, in order to make it work. And that's what happened. What ha- what's happened happens here is she, as they're trying to, as the family is still trying to like you know. Like keep things under control, even as things are spiraling out, like it's like out, out in like ways that are crazy as well. And the and it's and the and the main and the um, prominent son of the series is also just you know dealing with you know all the stuff that his dad has done, and you know like it's trying trying to um, reconcile with that, even as you know their antagonist tries to use him for their own like for their own ends. It um like it's like as I. Like, as I'm reading this, like, you know, when you get to the end, it's like, and you find out just, you know, what, what's actually going to go down here, it offers some, like, really, you know, good, good twists and solid developments to the point where um, Guillory has said that he wants this to be a, uh, like, six-volume series, and so he's two-thirds of the way here, and, you know, it's like, now I really, really want to see him, you know, get these final two volumes out, or if he can just, you know, like, cram them all into, like, you know, one more volume. Like that, that'd be great. But yeah, Farmhand Volume Four basically, you know, t- took a while off and then came back with a story that took its, um, took its, its storytelling to the like to the next level. And I can't wait to see, you know, what it's going to do next. Another series that also managed to do that, <coughs> but also like you know wrapped up the story it was telling at the same time was um, She Could Fly Volume Three. By um, Christopher Cantwell and Martín Morazzo. well, the first two volumes of the series, you know, were entertainingly quirky, like in the sense that it like, t- took a, a girl, girl with a massive o- OCD tendencies, who became obsessed obsessed with a, a woman who had a uh, like a flying flying device. How she was able to, like, you know, like, and like, and how she eventually, like, you know, was able, to, like, you know, take take um like work herself in like into the story of this of this flying flying device well it's like you know the first volume had like a lot a lot of quirkiness and it was entertaining you know it's like both in spite of it and because of that and volume two you know just kind of like was basically kind of more of that but also offered, a, offered up a finale that was you know it's like you know hey if you're gonna end it right here then i guess that's fine but you know, it's just kind of like, it's just kind of like more of what we got in Volume One. Volume Three, however, um, is actually a departure, and this basically tells the enti- almost the entire story from its protagonist, Luna, Luna Brewster's perspective, and that she's gotten out of the hospital from the previous volume after she had some brain surgery that, in order to help correct her OCD, that on one hand, yeah, it kind of worked, but it also made her like you know disassociate from reality in. Like in some pretty pretty significant ways, to the point where like as you're reading this, you're kind of wondering, okay, you know what's really going on here, but not in like way that confuses you, but in in the sense that you're kind of like you're you're cued in to how she's experiencing reality, and so when she starts, you know, saying that you know now she's the flying woman, you're kind of wondering, oh, what what's going on here? It's like is this the case? And that's becomes especially problematic when people start um, dying because they're being dropped by a flying woman. This is like, I, um, you know, it's like, I wasn't expecting, you know, it's like, like this from, from the third volume of the series, because, you know, we kind of like Cantwell and Morazzo had basically established what we'd expect from this series from the previous two volumes, but volume three just did a good, such a good job of upending my expectations that, you know, I, it's like that, that i really want that you know it's like I, I i that's why i'm putting putting it here and why i'm also want to like you know keep reading um cantwell cantwell's work because even though he's like he's 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 his work has basically been a writer who's like defined by like you know how quirky and you know, oddball like you know he can like um, make some of his characters and the storytelling beats you know like this is a this is a reminder that you know hey he's actually got you know like the, the logic to like, help ground this stuff it's like in relate relatable human concerns and you know, like and also to transcend himself like from what we see in a previous volume. So yeah. I look forward I'm definitely looking forward to seeing what, what he does next. And if nothing else, you can probably expect to see my thoughts on his Iron Man series, you know, once the entirety of it hits um Mar- um Marvel Unlimited um neck um later this year, probably about a month or two. Okay. But now getting to the top three, this is this is what gave me like real trouble because I wasn't sure if I wanted to like make number three, number one, or number three. Partly that's because of what I gave put put at number one last year, and I didn't want wasn't sure I wanted to like you know give this like do a um, double one number one repeat you know in this regard. Because if you're wondering like well but you gave like number one to like Tatsuki Fujimoto's um look back last year. Well, number three this year is his other um one shot um goodbye Eri. Which is I have not written about this on the site yet for reasons which you know, and listening to this should be well aware of them. But um, hey, we're working on this, and we're gonna get this. Um, we're gonna get the reviews back like very, very soon, like almost hopefully immediately. We'll we'll see about that. But um, good goodbye. Airy is a story of, of a boy who you know initially we're told was um, you know, just basically like you know, given a uh, like a like a camera. Like a uh, a video camera to or like a phone like with a camera attachment to basically record the last day, days of his mom's life and it's like well that seems like you no know, like really heavy stuff to begin with it's like you know the uh it, it's isn't presented in, the, in as bad realistic as we should expect as this kid tries to uh to say that you know like you know show like i chose his mother and i can and her like, in her life as things are going down. But then um, when he... Uh, but then when he can't bring himself to go inside the, uh, like, the hospital to, like, record her last moments, well, we see him running away, and then the hospital blows up in the background. And then it's revealed that we've been watching, like, his, like his movie of this stuff the entire time. And it does not go over well with his schoolmates or his teachers to the point where he's basically consider considering killing himself because of how how they reacted to like you know his like his decision to take like, the film film his mother's last days but as he's about to kill himself by like jumping off the uh, hospital's roof well a girl you know say convinces him to uh like not to do this because she was there like in the auditorium as his like as like as his as his movie was being shown and as it turns out she thought it was absolutely incredible. So what she wants him to do is basically film a uh, like film a version of her life. It's like it's like, but also um, after she's shown him like enough movies, or like under, for him to understand like you know what proper movie making skill is. So this isn't isn't just a series about you know um, Fujimoto's well well known and well avowed um, love of movies but it's also a series about just how you um how how you how people um, you know, control the narrative about how how they're remembered because it's basically because it isn't just because it's basically the story about you know how how this how our protagonist you know um you know frames Ari, like, Ari's like life it's like in terms of like how he knew her and also how he controls you know how she was um like how she's re- remembered as well even if that's not I'm um, the person, person she was, like, as we find out over the course of the series. And that's and so it's a it's a really interesting you know meditation on grief and how we how we deal with these things. And also at the very end, when um Fujimoto throws in some real left left turn curve stuff, that um on one hand it's kind of like, what really? It's like that on one hand, it's like I, I really I deeply respect him for doing. For doing this, even if it's just, just kind of like, it's like so out there, it's like part of me, like I kind of, like I said, I'm, I'm kind of wondering if like I didn't put this at number one because I worried what other people would think about this, but at the same time, it's still like deeply moving and imaginative. Um, one shot that you know, just as I did with um, look back, I'm absolutely gonna buy this um when it comes out in print because it's that it really is that good, and. It's like in the finale. It's like is in the very final page is so indelible that you know, like that the creators of the Chainsaw Man um, anime, like the opening sequence, you know, saw fit to include it, include it there. It's like that if you've that if you're wondering like where that you know, big building explosion was, you know that 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 came from. That's that's a reference to Good Goodbye Eteri. So yeah, it's really it's really fantastic, and you know it's like maybe I'll write a review about it eventually, but know that even if I didn't write about it on on the blog, this is highly recommended and you should go out and buy it. As you should, um the second second place um entry on this list, and that is Oku the Inner Chambers, which for a while I was thinking this is probably gonna be like number one on the list, simply because of it its ending, which is so transformative and basically did a great job of like you know just redefining what I thought about this series like you know, over the course of its run. Because on one hand, this is a series that basically imagines, you know, what if there was a plague that basically turned Japan from from a patriarchy into a matriarchy, where um, where men were um, like you know an endangered species in Japan, and women had to step up and do the dirty business of ruling. And and um, and Yoshinaga did like a really incredible job of like like of bringing this alternate history to life. It's, like over the course of the course of the course of its run. And then at the end, basically, I like, delivered an ending that made me go, "Oh, wow! This is like really cool. It's like you're kind of like trying to rewrite reality at the same time as you're doing this series." And I, that's incredible. That's I, that's some real Department of Truth shit right there. So yeah, that was great. And um, so while I thoroughly enjoyed it and I, that ending, like you know, did, did do a great job of you know like making me like reading the series um, estimation in my mind overall. It also had a absolutely painful uh, middle where um there were the bad guys just look like they were going to win and keep winning and just ruin everyone's day up until the point where they didn't. And um we were just, but not because like the good guys were smarter or more clever, but just because, you know, they managed to outlast her more than anything else. And, you know, it's like, so yeah, it's like, I really, it's like I really recommend like people read this series, but that's in spite of how painful like its middle sec- section is because you know fuck Harusada, she's, I'm I'm glad I'm glad she di- she went up the way she did, but you know it was still, I was still hoping that you know the good guys are gonna be like you know more, um, imaginative than what we got here, so, and that's kind of like the de- the um def- the delineation between you know number two and number one here, because because number one also had a really fantastic ending and also, um, but it also didn't have an uh, ending that, you know, basically made me go, Oh God, rereading this is pain. Please let me get through this right now. And that is um, Tatsuki Fujimoto's other series he released this year, Chainsaw Man. Cause well, I, I mean, like I talked, I talked earlier about how, um, how much I love this series with with Steve and by God, The ending of the uh, what's now known as the um, public safety arc was genuinely fantastic. I mean, I was kind of worried that you know maybe he had you know used up all his tricks at the end of volume 10, but nope, the end and volume 11 just delivered a really great finale to that arc. It basically shows you that, yes, like Fujimoto, like, sure, he he loves himself from cannibalism. My god, the man can like you know use this in like really that kind of thing in really interesting ways. And you know what? If the series had ended right there, um I guess you know, like I'd be fine with that, you know, because I think it was a really, really solid ending. And you know, it's and that was about it. But that's not what happened this year, because he started up the uh, next arc, which is the uh, public, the um, high school arc, and by. God, you have to admire the balls on this man because he didn't just you know start this up with um oh it's denji and he's in high school and things are wacky now because he's chainsaw man, but he has to protect his identity from everyone else. Wink. No, that's not what we got here. We, in fact, we got a whole new protagonist here in Asa, who is a, uh, a who is a socially awkward girl, like you know, trying to uh you know get by in high school. And, um also just uh, does not like chainsaw man at all and but also has to deal with you know like like with with being like you know an average average high schoolers like in a, in a world where like you know the devils are becoming more accepted and even like you know more palatable in a sense you know like well there's a chicken devil in her in her class now and like she wants to be fr- she's trying to be you know like friends with it for the sake of her class but things go badly and she winds up um becoming Becoming friends with the uh, with the war devil instead, and also, hey, you know, we don't get just get the war devil because we get the famine devil, it's like as well, and um and basically, Asa is is trying to is he trying to, like manage manage her life? It's like as she's like you know becoming more entangled with like with this with this world of devils, but also because she wants she's got it in for a chainsaw man, it's like and she uses him as like you know like it's kind of like, like you know like the, the kind of person who's like you know more like responsible for like you know all the ills of the world, and it's not that Denji has been completely forgotten in this series because he's he's in high school now and he's you know still con- continuing his money grubbing, girl hungry ways, but um, he's no longer like you know the main um protagonist of the this, of this series, and you know that's not a bad thing. In fact, you know, like seeing seeing how Asa has it goes to the, like you know main protagonist of this being main character of this. Like of this new, of this new series, it's like it actually works really well. And seeing how she interacts with Denji is really, really fun as well. In fact, like as as as, as I speak, it's like like her whole um Denji spinal cord sword um bit has <laughs> just stuck in my head like in a in a really memorable fashion. Especially like when um it's like you know, when it's like when now that now she tried she tried that. And it didn't work, and now she's gonna like go over to Denji's house, and um, Denji's kind of like, uh, yeah, you can come to my house, but you've got to obey the rules, which I'm sure include don't feed the control devil after midnight. Because <laughs> if you've if you've read the read to the end of the public safety arc, you know what I'm talking about here, and you know it's like, it's one thing for a series to you know deliver like a really satisfying ending, but then to just you know go go past that, and also just, you know, basically just, you know, chuck a lot of the uh, stuff that made the first series work, and then deliver like, you know, like an ongoing series that's still really entertaining to see what's going to happen next, well that's really special, and that's why Chainsaw Man is my my favorite series, favorite series my number one series for last year so but, you know, as far as like, you know like the worst stuff goes, well oh man what do we got here? It's like, we got uh checkmate, which is, um, what Brian Michael Bendis and Alex believes, you know, one of their la- the last series they did for, for DC. And while I'm still waiting on, you know, the soft cover edition of Bendis's um, Justice league and, um, you know, Legion of superheroes. It's kind of, it's deeply kind of a miss and just kind of like, and even though it's like, it's better than their event Leviathan series, it's just kind of looking back on it. It just kind of feels like, you know, like, it's like, Bendis is like you know DC run just kind of kind of underwhelmed compared to all the stuff he did at Marvel. I mean he wrote a lot of stuff for DC in a relatively short period of time, but a lot of but most of it was you know like had kind of just was just good ideas rather than just you know overall good stories. And Checkmate you know really kind of exemplifies that. There's also a Suicide Squad Get Joker, which also features Art Malik's leave, but is written by Brian. Brian Azzarello, and it's also kind of a follow-up to his um, Batman um, stuff that he's worked on for Black Label, and it was like it was just kind of like you know, like dull, uninspired, and didn't didn't really go go anywhere. It's like, and he's and he's like he had some ideas about you know like how um, how Jason Todd was meant to be viewed in in the context of the DC, DC Universe, but he wasn't able like to really articulate that in any meaningful way and Daniel's take on the Joker was just kind of like all over the place so it was just really kind of disappointing and even though it's like this is like a uh, deluxe, deluxe oversized hardcover this is currently on my to sell to book off pile and then you've got um Crazy Food Truck which you know even like there's a lot of like seinen manga it's like it's kind of feels kind of like an endangered species in the sense that you know there's not a lot of like stuff that, you know, comes out that really, like, grabs my attention these days, even though it's kind of the genre of manga that tends to feel, like, you know, most, like, like in tune with my sensibilities. But this story about a guy running a, uh, like, a former soldier running a food truck in a post-apocalyptic setting who runs into a girl who just loves to eat his stuff, you know, it was just, you know, thoroughly uninspired, and while, you know, it could have, you know, been interesting in a, uh, how does someone, like, you know, deliver like deliver this kind of like setup in like a fist of the North star type setting. It was just dull, boring. It's like, and just had no imagination to it, to it whatsoever. But still, it's like, I still find, find this preferable to um, Ray Fox's um in the flood, which was a story of um a guy, you know, like trying to deal with like a, uh, even the flooding of his house and also like the uh, divorce of his wife, who also has her own story here and also but they're also like you know telling their own stories that really don't make any sense i mean maybe there's like a take on the series that um actually is able to untangle all the tortured tortured metaphor of this series but as it is this series was just like so thoroughly impenetrable that you know it's like i just could not get anything out of it it's like it was like. I could maybe see what he was trying to do. That maybe it's a story about divorce, and like you know, the wa- waters that separate you know people over time. But as it is, it's like you know after I was, this is like After I read read it, it was just kind of like, man, I'm I'm done to hell to hell with this. This 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 thing went on my on my uh, to to sell the book off pile faster than um than get Joker did. So consider consider that right there but as for but you know like you're not going to end this on like you know like awful stuff you know about like you know stuff that i have hope for in, in the new year because hey um kaguya sama and um and uh and golden kamui are both um over in japan and hopefully um viz will be able to get there get both of them finished over here it's like assuming that they don't uh, you know continue to put put Them out on the uh, quarterly release schedule, that both of them seem consigned to at this point because man, it's like I really want to know how they're going to finish up because both of them are still, um, like you know, firing on all cylinders, like as of the time that I'm recording this. Also, um, we've got like the um, like Kieran Guyland's um, it's like um, Judgment Day, his Avengers Eternals X Men series that I've um, event series that I've heard good things about, and it's also going to serve as the um, fault um, wrap up to his. Like to his time on eternals which i've enjoyed and it's also kind of also kind of disappointed that you know like it's um it's like that it's going to uh like end like end the way it, the way it is right here it's like and also there yeah, as i mentioned earlier it's like hopefully we'll get another another omnibus at the crucial corpse delivery service because they said they're working on it and we'll see how that see how that goes and hopefully it's like you know we'll get more good news about comiXology because man it's sucks to hear that you know, Amazon is just you know dismantling the whole like the uh like the digital comic service that I and so many other people like had like had invested so much in I mean obviously it's just gonna like basically to like transition everything over to their you know Kindle reader you know type, type format but at the same time you know it's like I really enjoyed you know like like, like, like you know like app and reading things there and the deals they offered so often so so Amazon, like you know, get your act together. It's like I want to hear like nothing but good things from you next year. Or better still, that everyone they laid off from Comixology teams up with the uh, former owners, and they're able to deliver a brand new digital comics service that doesn't um, sell out to Amazon in the, in the end. So there you go. And so yeah, it's like I I've got hopes for for, new, for next year, and hopefully we'll see them. Hopefully we'll see see them all all filled But at the same time, I have no doubt that it will be just as hard to um, pick out a list of top top 10 um, books um next year it's like as it was this year it's like in the end cool well <clears throat> well we'll see maybe there'll be a surge in new content you never know right indeed yeah right. definitely definitely think that'll, come, that'll happen all right awesome do you know what you're going to be talking about next time oh man it's like i think i've got plans it's like i've got um I know I've got uh, my um, the final volume of A Miles, Miles Morales by Saladin Ahmed to talk about. I've got I can order the final volume of Loved Ones in Future as well. But um, so yeah, those those could be on on tap yeah, or it could be something that I've planned to talk about but um, just haven't. Um, fa- just, I'm just forgetting to talk about right now. So there you go. All right, we'll talk to you next time on Comic Picks by the Glick. All right, later everyone.